talkers would talk right over the intro music. Not to give the introductory information, but just come right in. Talk right over it. Like it was entrance music for wrestling or baseball. Here I come, says the radio talker. Oh, get ready. I am at banter. Ready to go. I'm going to wrestle with thoughts. What would that be? And Israel's wrestles with God. I'm Israel something. Hey, this show was created with artificial intelligence. Remember that. I'm going to get back to that. The other day, I was reading a letter from a listener. It said, Dear Hardy, I very much enjoyed your show two weeks ago. Boy, the topic really resonated with me. Thank you so much. Signed, I don't remember. I didn't remember the show. Started to think back. What was I talking about two weeks ago? Sometimes I will hear a show from a year ago, and I will have almost no memory of it. Isn't that interesting? How much have I forgotten? How would I know? How would I know if that question had already been answered for me? I asked, how much have I already forgotten it? And I was told, and it slipped my mind. This is possible for everything. I am in a constant state of forgetting. So not only am I making memories, as they say, which is more difficult than you think it is, obviously, or there wouldn't be a line to get in schools. Making memories is not easy. It's easy if you have a dedicated cruise director or entertainment director or something. That person is trained not only in the leisure arts sciences, but also in neurology and psychology and they know how to make an impact on the human mind, how to get information to stick. Sometimes, if you go on a sophisticated enough cruise, they will embed higher math into the dance lessons. So you think, I'm learning the Macarena, but really, you're learning linear algebra. It's been put in there. Isn't that interesting? That's the same principles they use to fortify cereals. So these executives are sitting around a table. I think it might have gone something like this. <clears throat> we are going to sell children. I wouldn't do that to you. But they would sell children candy for breakfast. And I guess somebody at the table was like, at least we can put, pump it full of vitamins or something. Is there something we can pour a spray on it? Like a, some sort of pesticide that's high in bees and, and seas and everything like that. And maybe riboflavin. Or something like that. I know how to pronounce it, but I just had Novocaine. That's how it went down. I've written a little screenplay. I write a lot, but then I don't because of the forgetting thing. I don't think I forget at any higher rate than anyone else does. You have to make a concerted effort to remember things sometimes unless they're traumatic and then you can't shake them. And there's, oh, that one got fired in there. It's so hard for me to make brain photographs and then you came along and flash, bam, and it's in there. It's burnt in there like an old CRT screen. Things, I, can, I can see what you were looking at because you left your computer on.
Dang it! So that, you know, that happens in my brain. But also, oh my goodness, some of these memories that go in, if my brain's a hotel, it's one of those quickie love ones. Because the thing of going, oh yes, I'd... our conversation from the party the other night went in one of those rooms and it was done in an hour, it was gone. And I went back, I thought that uh, that was its permanent address. And I went back looking for our conversation, but it was gone. And I, all I can remember is me nodding and going, yes! But sometimes, mm, these things, they fly away. Now, if a computer really was attempting to recreate my show, and let's say they weren't even, let's not even try to do the voice. That's a good rule of life. Oh my gosh, you don't even know how, don't, don't try to do the voice. What good advice that is for, oh, so many things in social situations or anything. Don't do the voice. So uh, the artificial machine, you say artificial, but it's a real machine. An artificial machine would be one made out of cardboard that doesn't work. But this is a real working machine, and it wants to be me. Bless it. Oh, it's like King Louie in Jungle Book. Now, remember that I made that reference. It's like King Louie in Jungle Book. I want to be like you, woo I want to walk like you, talk like you, do-do. Also, too, you know I, I mean poo. I want to do human poo. Something like that. I don't remember what he said. But the machine apparently wants to be like me, which I think is cute. And so it's going to, it might make some attempts, like I said, without trying the voice. And it might, let's say it goes, let's say it cheats. And it asks somebody, it's like, what's this Hardy White all about? And they go, oh, it's a sort of stream of consciousness. And they ask, what is that? And they go, well, that's sort of one thing. It's like a flow chart of ideas. It just meanders, keeps going. Like he might say, um, oil field. Oh, like an oil field, oil field of dreams. I, I'm, I made a baseball field, but then we all got covered with oil like the Beverly Hillbillies. Whoop, here comes Chad. Something like that. Like if. They go, oh, Robin Williams is having his teeth out, and he's just, whoo, he's all over the place. So uh, that's like free association. So if the machine tried that, oh, my goodness, I don't think it would work. And uh, say, well, what else, what is it then? And maybe uh, eventually, maybe if you told the machine specifically, the rule is, this is what, we're, this is what Hardy's doing, is he's using the phenomenon of forgetfulness in human beings to take them on a sort of garden path, to lose them on purpose, on the way to a point, on the way of saying something that will connect them through a shared experience or a shared feeling, an emotion, something that happened to us that's specific to time and biology. And I'll get there, but First, I set up a sort of labyrinth. I make a complicated path there. It will discourage those who don't really belong on that path. Say, this isn't for me. Good. I don't want to waste your time either. I'm not doing it to be exclusive. I'm doing it to help you. You don't want to be here. That's the kind of thing. Sometimes signs aren't really to keep you away because they don't want you. It's like, you don't want to, you don't want to be here. Believe me. So that's the kind of thing. I want to do it first. And the other thing is that sometimes the journey someplace, journey plus desire 
equals your answer. So what you're, you might be asking for something and you think, well, it's like, I will take you to that answer. But really the taking you is the answer. It comes out of that. That isn't anything mystical. That's just usually what we're, what we're craving is more specific than some sort of like on and off switch. It's something that we want. Let's say you wanted to, I want to transform myself into looking like Clarence Bass at 60 or 40. Who is Clarence Bass? Well, I used to, when I was a young person, I would occasionally pick up a muscle magazine, I suppose, because uh, I was afraid of um, Joe Weider. I thought that he was staring at me in the bookstore, and I said, I'm sorry, Joe, I will buy your... I don't know if you remember, he was a figure who started uh, some muscle magazines and stuff like that, and he always looked at a mustache and always had his arms crossed and you see these big biceps and it wasn't clear whether he was advertising, oh, I don't know, paper towels or exhaust, things for your car, you know, just like tough guy brand. That could be anything, right? Tough guy brand soap. My grandfather had something like that in the, in the shop. He'd have tough cuff, some kind of soap that had pumice in it. I remember that. He's like, this soap has ground up rock in it. To cut through the real, I go, I don't know if I have any kind of dirt on my hands, Grandpa, that are going to require any kind of rock soap. But if they do, I know where to find it. I need to have that. And I don't know. I looked, I thought his hands were rough from use. It's because he kept washing them, I guess. They got calloused. I don't want any kind of soap that builds up a level of callous on me, really. I want to be one, one, one big bunion from my soap. I don't want that. I want to feel, uh, I want to feel a little bit raw as I go through life. I don't want to steel myself against too much. You could, you could put on a suit of armor. You might suffocate. I never thought about that. But oh, here's a profound thing. Put this in your greeting card. The thing that you think is protecting you might be suffocating you. <laughs> You're going to go. Oh, he's got my. He has my relationship pegged. No, I thought like a literal suit of armor or something like. I'm sorry. No, uh, no, it's not. That's not even the case all the time. Because you had a hazmat suit or something like that, I'd rather have that on than breathe in a biohazard. It's not uncomfortable. My comfort varies. You know, if I'm, if I'm safe, let's say there's a horrible storm or something outside and I'm in a, some kind of protective weather box. Well, that might not be where I'd like to spend a sunny day, but gosh, there's nowhere I'd rather be than in my... PWB, it's a protective weather box, and sometimes I go there when it's sunny, if I'm having, if I'm feeling vulnerable, and I'll put on the rain sound effect, which I do do, I do do at night, but I, and that's because of many, many reasons. One, I have constant sound in my ears. Sometimes it's a ringing Sometimes it's a person screaming, no, like that. And I think it's coming from my soul. I don't know. I haven't had it worked on in a little while. You know how some things fall by the wayside if your budget, you don't have like a budget to go, well, I'm not going to get this tattoo sleeve finished. No, I, in fact, I haven't got mine started. And now my, now my skin is like tissue paper. I'm like, ah, it's too late. But I spend a lot. I spent a lot of that money on internal things. Internal, uh, having my 
insides inked like that with images that I no longer enjoy or like. As my aesthetic has changed, I'm like, I wish I had not had that imprinted on my soul, that thing. But there's nothing I can do to shake it, really. I live here with memories. Some I chose, lots I didn't. And even of the ones I've chosen, I do believe that they are not all mine completely. In the same way as a shirt I bought from the secondhand shop is not really mine. Whose is it? So a fella, uh, a man, Bam Bam Husen, um, Don Dam Van Husen, inventor of the shirt, invents a shirt and then he sells it. And I, he said, I will shall buy this John Van, this Van Housen shirt. I don't know how you say it. And uh, you put it on and uh, and then you sell it to someone else. And then John Van Housen sees his shirt and he goes, that's my shirt. And, he, and the person says, this hasn't been your shirt in a long time. I said, yes, I, may, I came up with the idea. I made it and I sold it to Brian. And then he's the one you got it from. I said, well, that is true, but it's my shirt. Like if we were going somewhere, we say, whose shirt is this? Is my shirt? If we were all, if we were in a room, we all took our shirts off and we were trying to get them back and they held this one up, but that's my shirt. And if you said, that's my shirt, you'd be lying because what about the one you came in with? So you've given it up. You've sent it, you've sent it away like a memory. I might have done that with interactions. You have an interaction with somebody at a party. Let's say you t I spoke to somebody named Ring, which I thought was a great name. And Ring and I were talking, and we started talking about these collectible, I suppose we were about the same age, cans, and maybe in the 70s. And they would come out with soda cans and put maybe a design on the back of each one, and then you get them all, you can put them all together and see the whole picture. And I believe we were talking about that. And then we separated and I did not see Ring for a long time. Ring thought about our interaction and remembered how as I was saying something about the collectible cans, I began, uh, some piece of food began to work its way out of my mouth. And Ring apparently, unbeknownst to me, became fixated on that and, and uh, started calling me. I forget, something like veg vegetable face or I don't know what it was coming out of my mouth, whether it was a piece of celery or... So when they tell the story, that's what you get. It's not about that. It isn't about like some shared memory of Sprite cans with some intriguing design on the back. It's about food coming out of my mouth and my humiliation. Isn't that, in isn't that amazing? It's the same incident and it's the the same information you go away so here's the things i didn't know i didn't know the things that ring knew before i got there and nor did they know the things that i knew so it is like uh it is like somebody's and you know what it is it's like uh human interaction is like it's like the exquisite corpse drawings right somebody you complete something that somebody else began except they're not drawings they're chemicals. They're like chemistry set chemicals. So what you do is you get there and you say, here is a beaker 
of some chemical. Now, you pour your thing in. You go, well, what was in there? You go, I don't know. Who knows? That's the thing. And then you pour yours in and it could be anything. It could be uh, some weird on the Internet when they do that now or they burn something, some weird ghostly column of bone will rise up. Have you seen that? Some antler, some devil antler will come out of a burning pill or something like that. So uh, that's where we are now. So as I pour my cola reference from the 70s onto your mento, I know that I risk a reaction. And some of it is a chemical reaction. It's not just, that's what emotional reactions are sometimes, or chemistry. You know, like how much you add a chemical. For instance, let me add a chemical that you smelled in your grandmother's house, your great-grandmother's house. What, is it, what do you smell? I smell whatever they put in, in stove gas so that you know you have a leak. Okay, and what else? Uh, wisteria? What's that from? Her bathroom spray. All right. What else? Old? What do you mean? Just old, old house. All right. Stuff. All right, let's now, what if I told you that we have a fragrance in our line? I have a niche fragrance house. And, uh, by the way, Bronwyn and I are going to do a special. Are you excited about perfume? I'll, more on that later. But uh, what if I could? What if I could bring you that smell? Mm. And what is it? It's evocative. It evokes something. It brings you back those chemicals. Sometimes against your will. So I know this, but do this experiment. Go to the mall, and you can only get away with it in a department store, and have a bottle of something and spray that in somebody's face as they walk in. I see that in old movies. Sir, and the reactions, you get a different reaction, uh, depending on who it is and how much, whether they have eyeglasses on or whether you get a direct eyeball shot. And uh, here, close. And you know what? You don't need your eyes when you're smelling something. So it's okay if they go, ah, boss, I can't use them. You don't need them. They hurt because you've never really used your nose before. That's what I tell them. It's a sort of smell matrix or smatrix. Or you can make the word smaller and, and, say, and just say sex. Um, is that small? That is, that is a smaller matrix. There's no E in matrix. I've been playing a lot of Scrabble, so I'm real conscious of what words have letters in them and what don't. Um, not a prohibited. I don't want to digress. Yeah, you do. I don't. I don't ever digress. That's the thing. I never, I'm never digressing as much as I'm just pointing different things out that aren't linear, for instance. It's a difference between, let's say you're going on a bus tour of a town of, of New York, and I start saying, that's this, that's that, and then I start talking about something else, but we're still driving by Lincoln Center. But instead, I go, oh, let's go to, let's just go, let's go to Brooklyn. Now, that's digression. Say we're not, so I'm not, I am going to, I am about to do that, perhaps. Or maybe not. Let's get back on. What you just witnessed was the thought stream version of getting off the train and thinking, I'm going to go use the potty here 
I'll have time to get back on and then going, no, I won't have enough time hopping back on the train at leaving, but you still having to do a number two. By number two, I just mean express myself also, my ideas. There's so much about, I've been talking about that for years because there's so much in common with human digestion and artistic expression. So I take in all the facts, I eat them up, which is the sandwiches, and then I absorb what I think I can use, and I take that into myself, and I integrate that into my thoughts, and then I get together all the stuff that's really undigestible, I don't know what to do with, and that's my art. And then I put that out there and go, what do you all think? So I've been thinking about stuff, and this is what I have left over that I can't make heads or tails out of. And what do you all think? And that's, you say, well, isn't that waste? I go, no, it's not. It is literally. Now, if we were still talking about digestion and everything, I'd go, I'm going to say that's a turd. I'm not going to try to pass that off as art. But when it comes to ideas and things like that, then yes, I think that's what you're, that's what you're getting. And uh, it's easier to get over your repulsion like that with art waste than it is with the human stuff. Because, boy, that, is, that exists. I can, oh, it's visceral. My body has a reason for being... For rejecting it, but your mind doesn't have a reason for rejecting some ideas. Put them in there, let them in, see what it's all about. Say, I am like, I know my body will reject this, but my brain is fearless, like divine. What does this be like in my, in the mouth of my, my consciousness? Now, I believe that the machine at this point is not able to really uh, catch up. I don't think. Um, they might be. Say, so I could tell that this is not really hardy, that this is really just uh, fake, fake hardy. I can't, because everything, when a machine is trying to be reasonable, it sounds Dada sometimes. I try to be Dada and I sound like a sitcom. So I, have a, I struggle with reflecting the absurd. My brain wants to make a sort of rigid, uh, you know, sense of it, uh, oversimplified, safe, reliable sense, instead of being in the wilderness. Oh, to be in the wilderness with our forgetfulness. How do we get through this life if we can't remember things? How do we get through this life without forgetting, you may say as well. Those of you who have experienced grief, you know, I'll tell you what, grief can stay with you to the end of your life. If you have 10% of extreme grief left, you're still grieving. That's the thing. You say, well, forgetfulness, maybe that helps, but doesn't ever cure. Because like I said, those things will imprint themselves. And then you go looking for the subtle joys. You go, why didn't the subtle joys make an impression? Just the way there's not enough light in some old-timey cameras. It's got to be real bright. Or it just looks like a blur. David Lynch, when he was a student, started filming some stuff. And he thought he had some great footage. And when he got it back from the developer, it was all just brown and dots and things like that. They say that he used some of that in the uh, season three, episode eight, uh, inside of the A-bomb sequence. Some of that the thing that didn't work out. 
the memories that aren't there. How you use those gaps. Oh, that's intriguing to me. How we can continue to go on with a changing story as we find out things about yourself. Isn't that, you say, oh, I found out at my, it, it, people live an actual um, um, Blade Runner stuff. So guess what? Guess what aren't your memories? <laughs> that happens. That isn't, that's, that's not just the domain of robots. Some of the things that we remember that we're positive aren't true. And you know, that can be very traumatic sometimes, the things that you don't remember or you do. And uh, sometimes you have to settle on a fiction. Isn't that wonderful? I wonder, though, if a robot can settle on a fiction. I wonder if a robot is driven by fear of rejection in the same way that we all are. That we have peers that were created at the same time and got information at the same time. Time beings. We are time worms. And those of us, when I say something that's nostalgic, it and it happened in the past, it depends on when you found out about that thing, what it does, what it does to your brain. So if Vicky and I are talking and, and she starts talking about Mr. Ben, who is this children's book character who goes to a costume shop and tries on a costume and then he goes and has an adventure as that in his imagination or in the closet or some messed up stuff. And I didn't grow up with that story, so she sent me the book when I was in my uh, middle age or older. Than, I guess I'm older. I don't know what age I'm in. I'm in the middle of, if I'm middle-aged, then humans live a very long time, which is fine. They do. But um, uh, so that didn't have the same. When, when you say that to me, you'd say, Mr. Ben, it's not going to do the same thing to my brain as it does to Vicky's, even though we're roughly the same age. Let's say you and I have the same memory of seeing uh, Kimba the White Lion on TV or something at the same time. We're the exact same age. Now, that information we got at roughly the same time, preceded by roughly the same stuff in roughly the same context. But if you were just finding out about it, you would never, no machine would ever draw the line, unless they had what I'm about to say to base it on, between watching Kimba and licking the frosting off of a cinnamon Pop-Tart, which in my brain is a strong correlation and isn't far-fetched. Like, it might be not the same cartoon, but you're, you know, you might be going, I did the same thing. Now, uh, that's weird, right? Because it's a trigger. I don't know that machines communicate that way. And I'm not sure they'd be able to predict people's responses based on very specific shared knowledge of your age cohort and cultural cohort. What? I don't know I'm reading now. Now I'm just reading it out of a book. No, you're not. My friends, the things I say to you, I try to relate to you as a human on all sorts of levels. And sometimes I think like this is a, just a, this is all a captcha. I'm just trying to prove I'm human. Now, how am I going to prove I'm human? I'm, I'm going to have to a lot of different ways because the experience is a lot of different aspects to the experience and I'm 
regularly talking to people that didn't uh, have the same shared cultural experiences either. And so I have to do things, I have to say things that might be more universal or more, or sometimes even if they're not universal, you might find something that reflects your story. When I first watched a television show called The Waltons, I thought, what does this white family in uh, 1900 and blah, 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 I don't even care. Just saying it makes me feel a little sick. But I, I don't know. Those people say, oh, well, that might not be your experience, but you can relate to all that family. I can't at all, actually. That show, is to me, is like watching National Geographic. How, who are these people? Completely unconnected to my experience. But that said, Gilligan's Island isn't. That's how I remember my neighborhood association when I was growing up, just like that. I don't know, you know, groups of, it, it, whatever. But uh, I don't know that I had, did I relate to any television? I'm sure I did. And see how, they, how this phenomenon of television has imprinted itself so desperately on my brain? Now, uh, um, would a machine then want to recognize that and then undo it? You know, there's not that kind of chaos of intention that we have as humans. I do this with the show. Do I start with one idea or I start with one purpose and with absolutely no input from anybody else, I change it. I talk myself out of things and into things all alone and not in a logical way, but in this weird, random and impressionable way, as if I'm being bombarded with poetry constantly, and it's giving me uh, a change of perspective in instance, and it does that as you, as you take two unrelated things and bring them together, and isn't that poetry? Is it? I don't know. It's the only kind I'm interested in. <laughs> If you're able to show me two images I've never thought of together, that is a sort of poetry. And uh, the machines doing art now do that because they lack a certain self-consciousness and a sort of uh, self-editorializing. They're arrogant. They're narcissistic. They believe that anything they do is grand. And they're not going to crumple it up and throw it away. There's a insistence and a confidence in their creativity that we lack because the robot doesn't care what you think of it and doesn't care whether it's connecting. It just assumes it is. And I care. And I, I don't like rejection. And I don't like things that some of me doesn't care. <laughs> so that, but that's an older, that's a getting older thing. I believe also is that I, I don't need to, um, I don't need to uh, accept any of the uh, shots sent my way. Sometimes you feel like gotta, you got to absorb them. But as you get older, say, I needn't. Some things I can deflect. I don't have to deal with that, really. You know, in many cases, at a certain age, things are moot. And I like that. Oh, I can be more, I can be more open. I can love better, too. There's a, there's a thing, too, that my, my irrational love and, and relationship to affection and that kind of the joy of other 
other humans um, acceptance. I wonder if that's something that that, that is uh, I, that would be difficult to communicate. Not too difficult. I mean, I, it'd be easy to fake because people fake that all the time. You see these confidence people say, I really thought that she was a German heiress. You know, I did not know. I heard no New Jersey in the voice at all. Isn't that so funny? Very, very good mimic. So that happens all the time, and a person to do that must be a little bit without conscious conscience. Can you imagine them pretending to be somebody's friend, like over and over? Yes. Well, I can't really. I can do that with a superior. I would uh, say a boss. Many a boss was convinced that I was a, a loyal and... Uh, you know, employee with great affection for them. But that was just, a, that's mainly a survival thing. Um, so, yeah, but I wouldn't, you know, can you imagine pretending that somebody, your, you know, your coworker or something, and you, you make a friendship with them, and you, it's all based on fabrication, everything, you're not giving up anything, really. Um, you're doing it to manipulate. Oh, gosh. I don't know what I have. I'm sure it's not. I don't. Bl I don't credit it to my character. I. I think it's just my brain, my nerves. But I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I would have to have such. Even if I had profound hate for the person I was doing it for, it's just. It feels so profoundly icky. You know. And there's nothing that breaks my heart more than someone being. Like those scenarios where, you know, we were just pretending to like you. Ha ha, loser. God, that makes me want to rip everything out of my chest. I just want to peel my rib cage open. All those stories, like if anybody's like hurt like that, I'm, I can't tolerate it. And I'm not even sure it ever happened to me, but I just absolutely am wrecked uh, by the idea of, um, of someone's heart being purposely, like cruelly, you know, crushed. Ugh. That's just the worst. You know, to me, souls are so, every, every soul, whatever you want to call it, any, whatever, any brain, any creature that's experiencing this, whatever this is, being alive. Oh, I know how intense it is. I know how real it is, and I know uh, the the depth of of pain or rejection, or the depth of the the pain of 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 self loathing or being. Oh, gosh, I just want to say no, you know, child, little child that you are, you know. Oh my gosh. Please, we are beset by demons here, and you've maybe run into a lot of them. Please, give me, come on now. Come back to, so Bagheera and I have, we're going to come with us, and I'm going to teach you how to eat a prickly pear or something like that. Are you Baloo the bear? Well, yes, I am. I, if you will notice, I am a smaller South Asian style bear, not your Western United States grizzly or anything, so fear not. Also, um, Bagheera, who is, uh, I'm, I'm, I think he's a panther. 
I don't know. I don't know the difference. It could be a puma. Listen, I'm sorry. I don't know. Um, he's very, we parent differently. We parent differently. I'm more of a, I'm more easygoing, you know, things like that. I like to dance with orangutans, with, with weird, jealous, psychopathic, narcissistic orangutans. Whereas uh, Bagheera is very cautious, uptight, uh, responsible, you know, so it's fun. And then there's Shere Khan who wants to eat you. So there you go. We can agree on that. We don't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen, uh, human cub. And uh, as long as you're with Hardy White and um, Lou Register and, and Butchie, I don't know which one, Butchie's some kind of thing, some small woodland creature that's in this. I want to start talking about Jungle Book because I don't know if that's the best thing. There's better children's stories. I'm trying to think one I liked. I don't know. There was some that I never. Isn't it funny? There's some children's stories from my probably from my mother's youth, like Pat the Bunny or something, that skipped me. Now I see children reading them. I go, whoa, whoa, where'd you get that Goodnight Moon? Because I don't remember having that read to me at all. And that's just like published 1920 or something like that. And you go, hang on now. What was I out of the country for some of these? I got some weird ones, but none, none of those. Um, I always got ones that had the little gold. It was also some gold stamp said like, you know, Sesame Street approved or no, it was before that. I don't know what the stamps were for. Peabody Awards or something. Oh, not one of those award-winning books. I'm not going to, I don't, oh, what? I would just like, can the, the, it's the illustrations. They're too sophisticated for me, Mom. I don't like the, I mean, the compositions I appreciate. They're just like screaming to me like, oh, Northeast Intellectual or something. And I don't know. I mean, it's beautiful. They're all cutouts and I get what's going on. But it's my, it's like a kid's book. You can't have like goofy stuff. I mean, I would not, I would totally not mind if they just looked even like Hanna-Barbera level of crap. I'm used to it, Mom. I need that. I need that, those specific palettes and things like that. I can see kids now going, I need the Simpsons palette. It isn't even the shape so much. A lot of people my age are like, I need the, I need the shape of Nancy. It's not even like the, I don't, it didn't, maybe even the content, although it is. But like, I need three rocks and a spiky head, like just uh, to see it. And maybe on things, like flatware, like, you know, not flatware, we call like, um, you know, plates and everything. Dinnerware. I guess I'm saying Nancy Dinnerware. Who's coming over later? Who? My friend, Nancy Dinnerware. I love surnames like that. They're so fun. I hope you have one like that, Some a surname that's a, a noun or something. Could have been a descriptive German word, and then they anglicized it, so, you know, now it's like it's your name's Butterknife or something. Um, uh, my gosh. It's so fun what we call ourselves. And, and then you can name yourself something. If you were going to name yourself... 
uh, something, Hardy, what would it be? It would be something that was just adjectives in order to baffle machines who would never know who I am. I am country fresh. I am deli style. I, I am uh, brand spanking new. That's who I am. I'm new and improved. That's my name. I'm hardy white. That's who I am. I'm uh, rich and creamy. So that's my idea. So I take a name, take a name that's been taken by the middle of a sentence. Take a name that begins uh, the description of a product, something that can never really be you. No one will ever be able to hear it and know anything about you. That's how I. That's how I would like to have my name. This name says me. Just the opposite of a, a tattoo. So see this? Yeah. That really, that's kind of sums me all up. And you go, well, I don't know what that is, a, a potato? And you go, no, look hard. I go, it's some, a singer that you like? or I don't know. But it's, uh, I'm defined what by what? Mm, an, an ever-changing wad of silly putty about the size of a softball. It's got even, maybe it's even got stuff in it, like paper clips. That's all in there. That's me. That's who I am. That's what my name says. My name says nothing. It says you are the moral equivalent of a loaf of bread, a machine-made loaf of bread that's not even particularly good, right? So that's when they say, oh, it's, it's hardy. I'm hardy. How is yours hardy? Ours is hardy because it's inexplicably chewier. I don't know how we get, we get it, we thicken it with tapioca or something. I don't know what goes in, but it makes, there's, the bread has more substance. It does? Yes. It more, more substance. It right now, you bite into it and it's the, it's, it's lovely and thick and the consistency of sculpey. Oh, that's uncured, uncured sculpey. And uh, I don't like bread like that particularly. So maybe uh, maybe that's not me or maybe it is. I'm nobody. I'm nobody. And when you're here, you're everybody, nobody too. Oh, nobody in that fabulous way where you just drift in and you don't even have to recreate yourself. Imagine that. Say so, uh, uh, you go to a place to say, oh, no one has any past here at this community. Okay. You just, no one cares where you came from, all right, or what you did for a living, all right. You get to recreate yourself here. Fantastic. No. What? No, you don't have to recreate yourself here. Nobody does. All right. You leave your past behind. I get it. But then you don't, you just don't operate that way anymore. You don't have to recreate. You're not, you can't, you don't have to be the anything guy. But I was, I was the donut guy, donut and celery guy. No, you don't have to be that anymore. Now you're just the nothing. You don't even have to be the guy. You don't have to be anything. It's a, uh, completely, utterly liberating. Not, you know, not just one going from one sort of trap to another. 
That's what a lot of times you now you get to you get to start all over again. Oh no, that's burdensome. I don't have to keep reintroducing myself. You know, don't you? Oh, I just can't I relax into being. It's so hard. Is it though? Yes. That's why I've provided this space. You know, a lot of people get a space. I've come into some space, and I don't know what it used to be. It used to be a, uh, oh, probably a video rental place. Empty now. Lots of square footage. What do we open? Open a teen club. Not literally, but something where the teens, meaning you souls of any age and any background, can gather and not have to meet one another and not be burdened by uh, having to be an individual or having to, it's like, uh uh-oh, somebody's coming up to me. I feel the anxiety. And even though they're a nice person, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious just about, just about their gaze. You know, if you do have like social anxiety, understand what that means. Just somebody looking at you, you go, oh, I'm gonna misread things. Um, I'm going to um, break eye contact, then start feeling weird about it, and then start, like, panicking, and then not being able to say words, and then uh, that person goes, oh, okay, and walks away, and then we're in the uh, humiliation um, area of uh, um, being embarrassed. And I don't know about you, but I have, just the other day, I was in the shower, and I don't know what triggered it, but it was some, and I don't even remember what the embarrassing moment was, but some really embarrassing moment came back to me. Saying something wrong, or now I'm trying to think about what it was. There's probably something I don't want to share. But it was, I don't know, maybe it was saying something ignorant or hurtful. Or, and I just, I'm standing there in the shower, and I just went, oh, God. <laughs> I do that at night, too. I'll just go, Oh, they they interfere, you know things like that. So I get the the initial bad experience, and then the memory of it causes anxiety too, the embarrassment, you know, thinking back, and you know even if you feel good about yourself now, you get intrusive thoughts about old you, right? And what do I do about that, Hardy? How do I, how am I delivered from my past? Like, why can't I, for, why can't I forget that stuff? And I, uh, I say this, you know, take that just like that art waste. And it's going to be around anywhere, anyway. And let's just drag it in and make something with it. Because it just keeps popping up anyway. You know, you keep showing up problematic thought. You might as well join the card game. I've got to face you and, you know, the reason that you keep scaring me is because I've given you some sort of power still. Even though I think I don't have that lack of confidence anymore, I know that by you popping up and me going, oh, God, I'm mortified about something that happened 30 years ago. You're thinking, I'm not even old enough to be mortified about something that happened 30 years ago. Oh, you wait, my beloved sibling. Oh, my dear, dear friend, it, ha- it probably will happen. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't wish it on you at all. It's not necessary. So, um, you know, I had to uh, undo a lot, um, I think, of, of, of things like that that were just me. 
me, you know. It's like when, uh, you ever seen one of those shows where people, like, they'll maybe meet an old, like a high school bully. And they've been living with this bully incident. And they meet the bully, and the bully's like, I, got, I have no memory. It's so profound. That's so interesting to me, you know? And uh, doesn't mean that you don't have to deal with it. It's like, oh, great, I inherited the memory. So uh, there we go. What shall I do with it? I do this, you know, largely, is uh, I think if we're all together doing it, we can blast the fear away. You know, because it's only by, it's only by myself would I feel embarrassed for that. If there were other people around... That, that shared this, they go, man, you're okay. Oh, who hasn't done that, right? You'd all console me. So it's only, uh, it's only when I'm alone with my oppressive self that that happens. So I have to start treating myself the way I treat you, which would be not, don't oppress me. I wouldn't do it to you. I wouldn't be reminding you of dumb stuff you've done. Why would I do that? Unless I thought that you were, you know, out of touch or something with the, you were being insensitive or you were heaping something on someone that was heaped on you. I might remind you that you were once a victim, but that's about it. I don't think I would, I would never do it maliciously. Oh, my friend, do you remember what we were talking about earlier? Do you? Or do you forget? Do you remember how I started the show? You probably do. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't want to go there anymore. You know, when you head out somewhere, you know how that is. And I know that every every show... I listen to a lot of Taoist shows, Hardy, so I know all about, like, heading one place and then not bother to get to the destination because it turns out... Yeah, I know you know all that. I I, I agree. I believe you do know all that. But what I'm doing is, uh, you know, uh, recognizing that and giving you a tour of nowhere. Oh, yes, I hope that I have just led you through a path in your brain where you saw stuff. See, that's a difficult thing. Let's say you're giving somebody a tour of your brain. I don't know what happened to you. I'm trying to trigger some memory that's not my memory. So I'm trying to send you off on a tangent of self-discovery. I'm trying to trigger stuff. If you left halfway during the show because I said something that made you want to go on an exploration of something on, on your own expedition, sending out a search party for a memory, then I love it. That's what I'm meant to do. That's what I set out to do. And I didn't tell you in the beginning. I'm telling you, and I meant to do it. And I also, I could also be lying. It's wonderful to get somewhere and say you were headed there all along too. So I might be doing both. It doesn't matter. Oh, I hope you've opened your heart today. Have you opened your heart today and aired it out? The human heart is like a cooler. Go check that cooler. When's the last time you took it out to a party? What if you left something in it? There was some ice in there. What else? Somebody tossed something in there, a rice ball or something. Only takes one rice ball in a cooler of melted ice. You add time to that and open it up, 
and there might be a catastrophe in there. So we need to do that with our hearts and minds. We need to open them out and hose them down a little bit. Because if you have put something in there, it might start to uh, become uh, fetid. It might start um, to rot. It might start um, to, oh, my, what's, the, what's the word I want where stuff lit like celery in a, a refrigerator crisper that's been left there too. It might putrefy. That's the word I wanted. Putrefy. That's a, what a fantastic word. Um, putrefy. Something comes putrid. And um, if you say it enough, it sounds like a Victorian woman's name. Uh, we named after all of all of the virtues, and then there's also putrid, who we love. Um, but the, that's one of those one of those old religious, ironic names. So we named we named our children a after things that we fear, and then they'll help us be a constant reminder that the Lord is there to keep us away from things like uh, putridness and. Uh, Decadence is one of our children, and uh, all sorts of things like indulgence. We love indulgence because he's, boy, he can chop some wood. He's not anything like his name. It's wonderful. I am uh, positive that what we have here is a good thing. And I know that uh, media in general, this is not how it works. And uh, I accept that. And I accept that I might be on a lonely road. I'm telling you, there aren't a lot of conventions. I don't get invited to a lot of, there aren't any cons. Well, there's a lot of cons, as in pros and cons, but there's no conventions. Really, that's like, well, you're in radio. I'm, I'm in radio until people hear me. And then they go, well, I don't know that that's radio. It isn't necessarily, is it? And I'm glad I'm not necessarily a podcast. At least I can say I am going to the stars. A podcast, I'm going to die in the belly of a machine, in the, the bowels and the intestines of a robot. Shall I perish? Will my thoughts reside? They will cling to the walls of its guts. And maybe, occasionally, they will slough off like ambergris from a whale's insides. And... Uh, but now I'm a terrestrial radio. I ride on electricity all the way to the stars, all the way to the galaxies. I fall into a black hole. I can't believe it. And there I'm, I'm, I'm torn apart. But you know, how is Ernest Borgnine staying together in this thing? He has the power of Disney has taken him through the black hole into another universe where he's back again and there's Tova waiting for him saying I missed you Ernest I miss you Tova <laughs> and they and she's got I gotta go for a minute I have to go sell some face cream on QVC and even a black hole can't keep them apart oh my word I wish is that like I wish I was selling you something so I knew whether you loved me by how much of it you bought. But I'll never know now. I'll never know if you love me or don't. I don't. I'm sure you do. 
I don't. I can't hear you though. I don't. It's so weird us coming through. No, we love we love you. I know that. Um, I think the among the people that I know and admire, sometimes love is the default. You have to do something to undo their love. They're loving people, and they'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And their love is there. You just have to accept it. You know, I mean, there's people that judge, and their love is hard to get. I can't do that. That's like an, an advanced level, getting the love of those whose, whose love is hard to get. So I try to, I'm mostly around the loving, and people are generous who give their hearts away quickly. I say, I love you, Hardy, man. You're all right. And thank you. You are too. That's it. And bring out the best in each other that way too, I notice. It's made me feel better. Like I, 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 I get lots of encouragement. I get lots of encouragement and, and thanks. And, oh, and the reason I'm telling you is because I don't want you to think I don't. And, well, you to hope you take it to heart, Hardy. And then, you know, I do, but also the memory thing I'm telling you about. It's real. All the forgetting, it's strange. So I remind myself, and I remind you to remind me, and I'll remind you that you are loved when you forget. And we will forget. We do forget. We forget all sorts of things. The good, like I said, things we need to remember and things that we don't. You know, if you have somebody that comes over to your house and they want to vigorously clean it out like it's a reality show, and here comes Marie Kondo, and say, it's fine if Marie just folds things efficiently and puts them away, and just like everything is, is made geometric and tessellated, that's fine. But it's when my possessions are evaluated, my... Some things are tossed out. She wouldn't know what I need to keep and what I don't. So, you know, that house cleaning, I'll, I'll do myself. Some things I need. And some things I didn't even know were there. Like I said, a good organizing is not a bad thing. It's nice to have things put away. And I hope maybe I'm doing that. Like, what's this? Oh, I don't, wanna, I don't know, Hardy. No, tell me the story of this little... It looks like a ceramic figure of a little boy fishing. Uh, and look at, but his fishing rod's broken. Let's not bet this has a story. It's my mother's and I broke it and I, and I had to hide it. And then I told her it was stolen, but then it wasn't stolen. I hid it and she thought it was and then she died and now I have it and I never told her. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. What? What's, uh, what's this poster of the Beatles? So I, uh, oh my gosh, I hope that I haven't pulled a figurine out, a painful one, but a happy one. And I love you so much, whoever you are, and not knowing helps. So uh, I hope that you say, oh, I feel like I, what, I, what I know of you, Hardy, I also love. Good, good, stop there. Stop there. I think you're great. Don't listen anymore then. That scares me. I don't want it to change. All right. Oh, no, do. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope 91.9 in Rockland County in New York City, New York, and online worldwide at WFMU.org. Thank you for listening, my friends, and I will see you again next week.